When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at The Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. Of course, this is Fan Mail Friday, so those questions today, they come from you. All right, let's get right to it. Hi, Jordan and AOC. I've noticed that certain people are more likely to experience certain things. I'm never stopped at airports to get a pat down. Well, I have a friend who's a 110-pound, 5'7", average-looking girl that's always being stopped. I have a hard time with social gatekeepers. Bouncers really don't like me. I walk up normal, stand in line, if need be, ID and cash in hand, yet I still get a hard time. My boss likes me, but the guy below him who I report to just doesn't seem on my side. I think I'm very average looking, 170 pounds, six foot white guy. I get mistaken for other people all the time. I've listened to your show for over a year and have written in a few times. I care about self-development, being myself, and really just being a respectful and decent dude. Any idea what could be going on here? Is it possible I carry myself in a way that raises red flags for social gatekeepers? Thanks for all you do. Average Adam. Actually, this is this is interesting for me because I both have been this guy and I also was a bouncer for four years in college. So, Did you kick yourself out of the bars? I kick myself out of the bars all the time. Yeah, it, not. I wish I could have kicked myself out of the bars some of those times, man. The <laughs> bouncer is a terrible, boring job most of the time. Look... What's happening most likely here, and this is from the perspective of both that guy and bouncer sort of mixed together, there's something that's triggering most likely a bouncer's insecurity. Look, bouncer will keep you out if they feel like you are dangerous to people inside the club, but since you're a six-foot white guy who's 170 pounds, you're just kind of a skinny, not-that-big white dude, so it's unlikely that they're thinking, oh, this guy's in a gang. I take it you don't have any face tats or anything like that. You probably don't. And if you're not dressing in gang colors or something, you know, you should probably be fine. So what's most likely happening is is you are triggering their insecurity. And when you trigger people's insecurity, especially a guy like a bouncer, what they're going to do, what we're going to do, I might as well lump myself into this category since it is my old livelihood, you're going to do whatever you can, whatever's within your power. And the only power that a bouncer has is to keep you from coming in or to give you a hard time and show you who's boss and you know, kind of go that route. So I would say you're somehow triggering their insecurity. The way that that can happen is if you're always hanging around attractive girls when you come in, if you are bantering with people in line and he thinks, oh, who's this guy? He's being all charismatic, that kind of thing. I'm not even kidding. I wish I were kidding. That kind of thing can trigger insecurity, making too strong of eye contact and maybe intimidating those guys or looking like you're trying to intimidate those guys. So I would say try smiling more. Don't talk that much in the line. I know it seems like a great place to banter and flirt. It's not. It's annoying uh, to security guys to talk and banter and flirt in line. Don't try to banter with the bouncer. It, it It's just so delicate. I do it very minimal way, but remember, I spent four-plus years as a bouncer. I know kind of what I can 
say and what I can't, and most people don't. They just take it way too far. Don't do that. I don't know what's up with your friend. The girl is getting stopped at airports. That's a totally different thing. Who knows? I I can't tell you because I don't know what she looks like. I could probably take a guess if I did, but... This is what's happening. Most likely, it's insecurities. The stereotypes are going to happen in security lines. What's happening in the line for the bar is you are triggering their insecurity by doing something. And if you hear this and you think, oh, man, I do joke around and laugh and horse around and banter with the bouncer all the time, that's what's going on because that's a pet peeve. I can't totally get into why. I think it probably goes hand in hand with we're at work and we don't care that you're having fun at our expense or we're outside in the cold and the rain or not hanging out with a bunch of girls like that kind of thing. Just it grates on you after a while. And as bouncers, we're not hired for our jovial sense of humor most of the time. So that is what I hypothesize is going on in any situation that you're in bar line, airport, whatever. You don't want to trigger people's insecurities. Most of the time, it's going to be an accident. Most of the time, it's something that you can't really avoid consciously. But if you're doing something that might be pushing somebody's buttons, you have to be very aware of this, and you have to pay attention, and you have to get the get the memo and knock it off. So I recommend testing the way you carry yourself in line if you're not sure what you're doing. Test different ways of carrying yourself in line and let me know what happens because I have a feeling you're doing something that you think is good and that you don't realize is actually annoying the bouncer because it wouldn't annoy a normal person. And that happens all the time. All right, Jason, next up. Hey, Jordan. My comment is for the introverted man who went to the gathering and his wife said that he was too quiet. I get wanting to take time to form your thoughts perfectly, but a party is not a dissertation defense. I wondered if he just takes things really seriously, maybe most of the time. My suggestion is to still consider what you want to add to the fine points of a discussion, but to be open to social generosity in the meantime. It can be as simple as interjecting with an easy phrase such as, that's a great point. You know, I never considered that. Or, I can tell this is really important to you. I think this is what his wife was getting at. She thought he could engage with people one-on-one rather than just expound to the group. To a serious person, this might seem like wasteful conversational filler, but people will always remember the way you made them feel, and everyone loves to feel that they are being listened to and having their views acknowledged. My advice is that next time, he should aim to say three generous things over the course of the event. I think he'll enjoy it more when he takes the focus off of himself to give a little to the others. Hope that helps. Celeste. So I love this. How did I not think of that? I love the strategy here, which is that instead of trying to think, how can I add value here and, you know, give my own input, it doesn't matter. Your input is irrelevant. What you're really trying to do is give socially. ABG, always be giving, a very common, popular AOC refrain here. And you really don't necessarily need to worry about adding to the fine points of a discussion all the time. You can do it here and there. But you're right, Celeste. Adding a little bit of social generosity is clutch and requires nothing other than a couple of canned phrases that are deployed at the exact right time rather than trying to think of something that's going to make you sound smart or engaging. So I love that feedback. If you're having trouble because you think you're an introvert and that you're not thinking of the right thing to say at the right time in a conversation, then you can always, always, always just give value to other folks by being generous socially in the conversation, as Celeste suggested. Great tip. All right, next up. Dear Jordan and the AOC crew, I admit, at the risk of sounding egotistical, over my 36 years on this planet, I found that my social abilities are outstanding, which is honestly what drew me to your podcast. It seems like I just have the innate ability to execute all or at least most of your teachings without even noticing I'm doing so. 
I get along in any social circumstance, meaning I'm a chameleon in society, and I understand what people want or need from me in order to be accepted. Also, I've been told by many, and noticed myself, that I'm a superb judge of character. And very humble at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least, you know, he, he, he prefaced this by saying, at the risk of sounding egotistical. Hmm. Yeah, okay. nailed it. Even upon meeting someone for a very short time, I'm within a very slim margin of error in pinpointing even their most hidden character flaws or strengths. I get asked all the time how I do it, and honestly, I don't know. I respond by saying that I'm just very observant. Others want to be taught to do this, but I don't know how to do that. It got me thinking, though. How could I have capitalized on this in the way of my career? Obviously, these abilities help in every career, but my career is slowly killing me. My dad died when I was three and my sister was 11 months old. I started working from the time I was nine on a newspaper route to help pay the bills. As I grew up, I never really knew what I wanted to do in life, but my sister did. She wanted to be a teacher. Knowing mom couldn't afford college for both of us, I told her I'd go to a 13-month trade school and start a career as a car mechanic so my sister could study to become a teacher, which she did. I've since gotten a good job as a bus mechanic with my state's transit authority for the past 13 years. Great benefits and good pay keep me, my wife, and daughter afloat, and I'm pretty good at what I do. But I feel as though my better talents are going to waste here, not to mention how it's destroying my body. In your opinion, what would be a better career path for someone with talents such as mine? Sincerely, Grease Monkey no more. So I'm going to put aside the idea that most people who think they've got all of these teachings, in air quotes, really nailed, usually just don't understand or don't see all of the teachings because... Look, I've never met anybody that just naturally encompasses all this stuff. Even the most charismatic people alive, the ones you see in television and movies and uh, professional con artists and things like that and, and great salesmen, they hone these skills very deliberately all the time. It's not something that naturally comes to them, and they always realize there's room to grow. So I'm, I'm just going to set that part aside in the letter here because it's not really – it's not totally relevant to his question. But I would say, look, get into sales. There's unlimited upward potential if you really are that good with people, especially if you think it's a natural way for you to engage and you can see what people are needing. You can always figure that out. It almost it's a little suspicious that you are in a technical position and you haven't moved all the way up to management if you do naturally possess all these skills. But again, I don't want to digress into that particular train of thought. You can move into something high ticket after you get done with basics of sales, selling something low ticket. So start off selling computers or something like that, or even lower ticket. Then you can move on to really expensive items, cars, things like that. Or you can just start selling cheaper cars and move on to higher ticket cars. And if you're really that good with this stuff, you'll make crazy money selling cars. You need to learn to make opportunities and maintain relationships, though. It's not just about reading people. It's not just about getting finding a people's flaws. You need to be good at relationships. And maybe that's what you are lacking, and maybe that's why you are um, doing this job that you hate, because you're not really making connections and you're not really creating relationships, even if you're just good at reading people. You're in the right place with the show here, though, man. You know, you, you've got a lot of info at your disposal, even if you think you've already got it all under your belt. I think there's probably something for you here to learn, especially since you're asking what you do, can do with yourself. I really do think, though, that if you have natural skill set with people and you're right about that and, and you're not just blowing smoke, then sales is definitely the place for you. And on an unrelated note, I'm getting a lot of messages lately about why we don't have the same ads as other shows. And I think this is interesting because this crops up maybe every six months. People say, hey, you know, there's this other sponsor on this other show and da da da. And why don't you have this one? And I think it's just idle curiosity. So I only cover it here and there. But 
There's some overlap between other campaigns and what's on the Art of Charm, but there's not some of these major campaigns you see on other podcasts. And the reason why is because we only really advertise for products that I really like. Ad revenue for us is not a major moneymaker. We use it to break even on production of the show. We use it to break even on hosting the show. I personally make no money from this at all. It goes straight to Jason's deep pockets. No, it goes straight to <laughs> yeah. the tech. It goes straight to the tech we need. It goes straight to all kinds of crazy hosting bills. I mean, it costs us like it just thousands and thousands of dollars every month to host the show. And I know I've said that before. And a lot of people go, "What about the unlimited plan?" From no, there's no such thing <laughs> no. as an unlimited plan. No, the unlimited plan. Uh, if you read the fine print, the fine, fine, fine print, it basically craps out at, "Oh, you're going to cost us this much. Never mind. It's not unlimited anymore. It's going to cost you, you know, eight thousand dollars." And that's really common. It's only unlimited if you have a really tiny amount of traffic. And we blew through that years ago. So we do have to pay for that hosting. We do have to pay for the CDNs, the distribution of the show. We've got to pay for Jason. We've got to pay for the assistance, production, the writing, all that stuff, man. And uh, this is done in a real studio that I built in my house. And that stuff, stuff ain't free. So that's why we don't have all of the other campaigns. Because we just, no matter what, no matter how expensive it is to create this stuff... I just can't talk about something that I think stinks. I just can't do it. feels weird. I don't like it. Um, there's all kinds of stuff in here that I use or have used. There's nothing in here that I think is crap. There's just not. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I've done it in the past years and years ago, and I you know, lost sleep over it, and it's, that's just not worth the money. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 
93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, next question, Jason. Hey, Jordan and Jason. I was hoping to get your takes on the hashtag van life movement. For those that don't know about hashtag van life, it turns out living in a van down by the river isn't just for Chris Farley anymore. It's a trend going on where someone converts a van or similar vehicle into a miniature home to live or travel in. A quick search on YouTube reveals hundreds of videos of people's unique and sometimes elaborate setups. I've even seen one van that had its own full shower. The trend has gained steam the past few years for a few reasons. One, the outlandish real estate and living costs in places such as NYC, LA, Silicon Valley, or Vancouver have made the areas almost impossible to move into through any traditional housing options. And two, the trend of downsizing lifestyles in the move to minimalism, which people can learn more about on AOC episode 557 with the minimalists. And three, the trend of living a life worth living, whereby people take extended travels, long breaks between jobs, and focus on their quote-unquote passions. Personally, it's a very intriguing concept that I've been looking into more and more. However, I could also see the lifestyle end up a case of short-term gain and long-term pain, where they haven't earned enough income to save properly for the future, the gaps in work experience box them into forever low-level jobs, or they aren't able to adjust to normal life with actual responsibilities like paying the bills, mortgages, and having a family. Would love to hear your thoughts as this is seeming to pop up more and more. Regards, The Van Man. Yeah, this is interesting for me because I feel like in my 20s I might have done something like this for a few months or even a year. <laughs> but I know people that when I was in my 20s they lived in like RVs and stuff and they, they had crazy interesting lives and I was a little bit jealous. But look, now they're still there and they're broke and they're like, yeah, you're right. They're locked into low-level jobs. Or they're, they're freelancing, you know, but they can never afford to do anything, it seems like, because it's not – that you can't run your business from inside there. Look, right now, if I had a van with a recording studio, you know, an RV, a full, probably not a van, but a full-size thing with a recording studio, or I could get to a recording studio that I would rent and then I would go spend the rest of my time hanging out in this RV, yeah, I could do it, but there's a certain amount of anchoring that you kind of need in your life in order to move forward and really have a strong home base the logistics alone are are there. So in your 20s, yeah, go for it. You know, explore, drive around, have fun, it, use it as a cultural learning experience, relax. But yeah, if you do it for too long, and it, it just turns into escapism, I think. And that can be a huge problem. You don't just see it with vans. You see it with people who live abroad, and they're like, oh, I went to Thailand, and now I live in a youth hostel, and I just chill, and I've got all these friends here. And it's like, that's cool, but... Call me in a few years because you might be lacking a sense of purpose and you wonder why you're sad. Yeah. What do you think, Jason? 
As someone who has lived this lifestyle and admittedly for longer than I should have, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Honestly. And, you know, you're always looking for places to park. (laughs) That's the biggest problem. You can't park everywhere. But also, you know, you do end up missing stuff. Now that I'm in my 40s and I have a house, it's amazing how much effort living like that was. You know, for 10 years, everything I owned fit in my car. I could get up and move, you know, at the drop of a hat. And I did, often. And those gaps in, in your work experience, they do catch up to you. Not so much as they used to, because a lot of people are living this way now, and you know people make money and take long, long breaks and vacations, and you can recover from it. But in the long, long term, it is definitely really hard on you psychically and financially, and I just don't really recommend it personally, just after, after with 15 years of experience doing it. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I never thought about doing it. Now I would totally do it, but I'm married and I don't think Jen would be down for it. Yeah. And I got a mortgage. I don't think the cats would like it either. The cats might not be into it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, good point. That might be a problem. But it, it does sort of appeal to me to go away for a week. But here's the here's the thing. If you're tempted to do this, rent an RV for a week. If you still love it, rent an RV for three weeks. <laughs> I, I think after that, you might be like, F this. I'm done. Yeah. Right. Screw this. And just remember, even if you rent an RV for a few weeks, you are not taking care of all the maintenance on that thing. You don't have to figure out where you you want to park it long term. You're constantly moving around. Basically, the trick would be rent one and get to a point at which you're no longer excited about the next destination. And you're just like, where can I park this thing for a month so I can get some stuff done? Because I'm imagining trying to run your business and they're like hey you can't park this here and you spend the next six hours trying to drive to a campground that's not full and plug in and empty the the poop thing yeah, you know toilet that, emptying is not as glamorous as you think it might be yeah i can just imagine then you're wasting tons of time logistically it reminds me of that thread a long time ago man i should dig this up there was a homeless guy that was listening to Art of Charm, and he was saying things like, look, being homeless is expensive, and he's talking about how you got to pay like 15 bucks to take a shower, and you got to buy a day pass at the gym to, to clean up, and then you got to pay for your laundry, and then like he listed off all these expenses, and I thought, wow, being homeless, is it costs as much or more than living in a cheap place. It's just that it's hard to get the security deposit and the references and all that stuff together if you don't have your life together. So it was kind of an interesting juxtaposition because you think, oh, homeless, you know, you're so it's so cheap, or oh, living in a van, it doesn't cost anything. It's actually not true. It's just not. No, not true at all. And, and just the time suck. Like literally trying to find those parking spaces, trying to find a laundromat, looking for Wi-Fi. All that stuff adds up, and then you just end up spending so much time and money that it's not really worth it. Just take a vacation. Yeah, take a vacation. If this is tempting to you, then maybe you should go and hang out <laughs> on on a beach or go camping or something like that. Or like I said, run an RV for a few weeks and see if you're still in love with the idea. And this also works better if you're single and doing these trips alone. If you're doing this with you know your significant other, after a couple months, you pretty much want to throw each other out the window while you're going about 70 miles an hour. Oh, man. So I found this poem, actually it was uh, sent to me by an AOC fan in Australia, and I looked it up. This is super interesting. I feel like I need to read it in an ominous voice. It's called If the Man in the Mirror, the author is unknown. It was found written on a wall of a cell in death row, and it was composed by an anonymous prisoner who was later executed. So knowing that, it's even more chilling, right? So 
when you get what you want in your struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, then go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. For it isn't a man's father, mother, or wife whose judgment upon him must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in life is the man staring back from the glass. He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the man in the glass is your friend. You can fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass, but the final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. Goosebumps. Scary poem, knowing that the author was executed. I printed this out and actually taped it to my mirror this morning. It's an amazing poem. It is. And it's it's chilling knowing that the person who wrote that was probably feeling really awful and being killed for his crimes, which I assume were quite terrible. So yeah, there you go. Enjoy that one. Tape that to the glass. But it's true, right? I mean, really, we are we only we we can fool everyone. You just can't fool yourself. You can try, but at the end of the day, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror. Ugh. All right, documentary of the week. I didn't watch anything because I was I was working. What about you, Jason? I went back and rewatched Jiro Dreams of Sushi. One, oh, yeah. of, one of the best documentaries I've seen in the past 10 years. It's from 2011, so it's not new. And a lot of people have seen it, but man, that guy's dedication to his craft is just so excellent. I mean, you know, it takes 10 years just to learn how to make the eggs for some of these things. It was, it's yeah. nuts. Crazy. Jiro, J-I-R-O. We'll link it in the show notes. Jiro Dreams of Sushi. It is about a sushi chef. It does sound a little bit boring because of the title, but I liked it too. I remember. I saw that a long time ago. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. I keep everyone anonymous. You can either make up your own funny name or we can do it. If it's feedback for the show, we are fans of your strong opinions, hopefully loosely held. And we love to argue like we are right, as you can hear on the show, but we listen like we're wrong. So don't be shy to hit us up over here. And if you've got your own advice for some of the people you've heard from today, let me know. If it's something that can help everyone, I might read it on the show. Link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF128. Quick shout-outs to Joshua Henry. He plays Aaron Burr in Hamilton, and he listens to Art of Charm while he's on the road performing in the modern hit musical. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. And Dr. Jerry Altman in Hawassa, Ethiopia, who is on a medical mission in Ethiopia, and he listens to AOC in Ethiopia. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up. I'd love to shout you out. I'd love to hear from you either way. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. It's a great way to engage with the show. And Jason, you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at JPDef. That's J-P-D-E-F. And you can also catch my podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks, every Monday. We're on iTunes or go to GOG.show to find out more. And don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. You can get into that by going to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. It's all practicals, drills, exercises to become better at making personal and professional connections, being a better networker, creating your personal social capital, your charisma. It's for both guys and gals, and it's free. So ditch the excuses and go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text AOC to 38470. That's AOC to 38470. 
More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps that we run every single week in L.A. If you really want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, that's theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp, and we accept cryptocurrency as well. And there's also uh, programs for military and intelligence guys as well at elitehumandynamics.com. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.